0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW avoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs,
2: services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show
1: hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. In 2006, two forces of good for business met. These men think and act differently. Their sole mission is to help entrepreneurs and businesses succeed. Today, this elite duo, Carl Gibbons and Carl Gould, the G-Team, have broken out of the conventional business box. So if you have a problem, if no one else can help, you can find them right here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. The G-Team. March the 11th, 2015. It's 1 pm, and this is Quit and Get Rich, the premier network radio show for aspiring, emerging, and experienced entrepreneurs, experts, and executives. That means you. And you've all come here today, kudos to you, to learn the secrets of quitting, what you should be doing, and uh, how you're going to focus on your assets, and to focus on the key activities that will make you rich. Hi, I'm Carl Gibbons, and at the other end of a piece of string and two tin cans, way down there in good old South Africa, should be... Carl Gould. Good day. How are you, man? Ah, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? What's going on down in South Africa? What's got you down there?
0: Uh, all sorts of things. I've, I've just spent the last um, uh, couple of days helping uh, a, un- a local university launch... Um, this is the second university launch we've done now on the continent. Pretty, uh, pretty exciting stuff, and um, much more to come on that uh, in future shows as we talk about learning development, skills development, skills transfer, pretty cool stuff, what's going on down here, pretty dynamic.
1: Sounds, it sound, sounds good. Uh, well, there's, there's a lot been going on uh, back in the homeland while you've been away, and uh, as a result, we've got an action-packed, fun-filled show, but that's only what you'd come to expect. Uh, we're going to, I want to talk a little bit about before, before we get into, uh, before we get into some depth. I mean, Apple are back in the news again. I mean, um, every time I turn around, there's something about this watch. and I don't know what your take is on it. Um, but everybody seems to be flabbergasted. Which is a lovely English word, flabbergasted uh, by the price, and it runs from like three hundred and fifty for the basic up to about ten grand. And I've got to tell you, if you're into watches like what I am, neither of those price points are even a, a blip on the radar for a for a, for a, uh, you know for a, a good watch. I mean, but anyway, it seems to have got everybody's uh, knickers in a twist. Any thoughts on that? I don't know why I'm surprised.
0: I, I mean, Apple, I think here's where Apple is brilliant because they are a status symbol, always have been. They're going to be the most expensive in the marketplace and they want to be the coolest. They want to be status. They want to be higher end. And, um, you know, and look, I think this might have been the smartest thing they've done since Steve Jobs has left in that they've created this high end um, watch, the Rolex of the digital watch. I mean, I think that's probably the smartest thing they've done since Steve Jobs left because I got to tell you, this whole watch concept, they have been getting hammered in a bad way because the, you know, the, the feeling was it wasn't sexy enough. But they've put some sex appeal into it, and I think uh, – kudos to them because I think they're making a smart move with having this ridiculously high offering. I think it's smart.
1: Right, well, I, I got to tell you, as, a, as the marketing guy, I don't think it's high enough. I think they could have got four, five hundred bucks for this easy, easy, no sweat whatsoever, Uh, because it would have it would have it would have aimed at two different markets. You'd have had the techie market, you know, the guys that have just got to have everything that's brand new. You know, the early, early, early adopter that's so early people don't even know that it's been adopted yet. Uh, You know, they'll pay anything. But then you've got like watch collectors, and I think once they start to once they start to go into that mold, I can tell you, you know, watch collectors. Talking talking thousands at the drop of a hat, you try and buy a Rolex for 350 bucks. And, in fact, if you can, dear listener, shoot me an email. <laughs> shoot me an email. Um, but anyway, so, um, you know, like you say, kudos to them. I'd be interested to see where it goes. Um, the other thing that they seem to be causing a bit of a stir about is their effect on mall shopping. And, um, apparently the, uh, big malls, not surprisingly use them as leverage when they're letting other space because they claim that Apple is a big draw. So they, uh, they leverage that to the other potential tenants that are coming in to up their, to up their rents. And, um, some of them are not very happy about it because what they're saying is that in fact, um, the, the Apple customer comes, makes his purchase and goes. Um, I have no sympathy with that thought process whatsoever because uh, that's just, that means that uh, you just haven't made your offer attractive enough and uh, you're, not, you're not catering to that market. Um, but when you, when you look at the, what they generate, they generate some pretty impressive numbers. Apparently, your average Apple store is generating about six grand a square foot and some of them are yielding up to 10 grand a square foot. That is not to be sniffed at at all. Exactly. They,
0: um, you go You go to an Apple store and it's happening. It's like yep. going to a lounge or a, a club and people are using it. I mean, look, the most frustrating thing I go through is when I go to a, um, a Verizon store or a Sprint store or a Best Buy and they've got this really cool um, Microsoft Surface, you know, that Surface tablet. That yep. tablet is wicked cool, but you Can't play with the damn thing at the store. There's no, there's, you can't pick it up. You can't, it's, it's ratcheted to the, to the uh, desk. It doesn't have internet. You can't surf. You can't play around. Whereas you go to an Apple store and I can, I could sit down there and play with the damn thing all day long and I get the real experience. So I, I don't, you know, you would think these people would would get it, you know, to create the experience.
1: It's all about yeah. the experience. I mean, you know, we've talked about that before where malls now are becoming almost theme parks. You know, you go there just to get the experience because we all know that the shopping's going online. We we don't need to go down that road again. So, um, but we've got to keep an eye on that because back in the day, it wasn't that long ago where your 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 anchor tenants were the you know your big department stores, your Neiman Marcus's, your Saks's, and on all those kind of people. But interesting to see now that um, Apple appears to be taking on that mantle as well. So interesting times ahead another one for the gibbons and Gordon need to keep an eye on it so Goldie, last week we talked about cash flow and we talked about yeah. sustaining growth well wow. didn't we push a few buttons the i don't know the the, the emails into the office kept coming um so uh, clearly um our dear listener uh, or one of them uh, got really quite excited about it, so I thought what we might do just to keep them happy is to, is to revisit it and uh, have have a little chat about that. And of course, don't worry, all you uh, all you Fix It fans, we've got some Fix It. Um, we're going to mess with Niles from London. We're going to mess with his head, see what we can do for him. Um, uh, Jennifer in Louisiana also seems to um, have some problems. And Bob from North Dakota has dropped us a line. So we're going to be talking to them a little bit later on. And uh, I've got something to uh, that I want to get off my uh chest which is getting larger by the minute in a quick commentary um but let's let's go back and let's start to uh talk talk money again um because we've got a we've got an interesting guest joining us a a little bit later on we've got tom matthews uh from b2b cfo and i lovingly refer to tom who i've known for a long time as as dr tom um uh, everybody knows i'm not a big numbers guy you know i'm the pretty pictures, crayons, Lego. I'm the marketing guy, but Tom makes yeah, numbers. Second, so
0: you you might not be the numbers creation guy, but you're not, you're, you're, you're not telling me you're not a numbers guy from the standpoint that you don't like to create the numbers or have to sit over the top of the numbers. But you know, you, you might not be creating the P and L, but you certainly want to see it and want to oh, strategize around. it. No?
1: Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I do. Um, but it, it the, 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 the creation of them is not something that, that, I, that I get excited about and I, and I don't make any apologies for that it's just it just it just doesn't do anything for me but what I like about Tom and we'll be talking to him in a little while is he makes the numbers fun you know and 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 that for me is is a cool gig it, it makes the numbers fun you know when i uh, when when i'm in a board meeting and i and i hear tom you know i'm i'm, I'm heads up i'm paying attention I'm, I'm i'm all focused in but anyway um that that that's all to come um what what was your mailbox like with all of these with all these numbers
0: Well, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised in a way that he got the the amount of feedback that we did because, you know, you you know, you and I sit around and we say, okay what would be interesting? What do people want to hear? And, you know, the thought, I mean, if you were to just say, hey, let's talk about cash flow, metrics and ratios for an hour.
1: There you go. My eyes have just glazed over. See,
0: who would have? This is why we stay away from the topic because we think we're going to bore the crap out of everybody. And yet we, we you know, we talk about it because we thought it was necessary because we were getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people coming to us and saying, hey, this is a real struggle of mine. Who knew that this would be one of our higher rated shows, get the most feedback and have people coming to us and say, hey, I love that nugget. Hey, I'm dealing with that. That's really good. Um, really appreciate what you and uh, Gibbons uh, talked about last week. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised because, look, at the end of the day, We know, uh, you know, we talk talk to entrepreneurs uh, all the time, business owners, and what they do is they always keep running back to the part of the business they like and ignoring the part of the business they don't. And almost all of them like something other than the numbers. Yeah. Right? And I I remember a business owner was telling me recently, you know, Carl, the culture of my company is never going to be about the numbers. It's never going to be about that. It's about how we feel good, the camaraderie, the the culture – and I said to him, I said, it's never about the numbers and the money until there's not enough of it to go around. Then it's all about the money and the numbers, right? Yeah. And then he was like, okay, good point, right? Yeah, it's, it's never, Money's never an issue until it's an issue, and then it's the only issue. Right, right. So well, what? you know, so we need to find a balance where you don't have to sit there and stare at the numbers. And I look, I'm a recovering accountant as well. I went to school for it. And I'm not like I'm not as strong, I'm not as brave a guy as Tom that, that was able to stick it out and and spend my life manipulating the numbers the way he has. But I sure appreciate them, and I am so thankful, so thankful. I went through that training in college and that the, all the financial education that I got because that financial literacy has paid off so well throughout my career, you know. And I don't want to spend all day on it, but I just. I have to devote enough time so I know what my numbers are, what they mean, what they mean to me, and what I need to do to improve them. So I was very pleased that last week we got a lot of good feedback because that's telling us, I think, Gibbons, that we should make sure we talk about this more often.
1: Well, the other thing that, that, uh, that I'm really pleased about is that our dear listener is, is taking the time to invest in themselves, their team. They're clearly looking to grow as leaders, and they're looking to take their business to the to the next level. So if you're listening to us now, you want more. You don't settle for less like everyone else does. You just want to keep raising your game. And uh, and if and if Gould and I can help with that, uh, then then quit and get rich has all been worthwhile. Me putting up with him for three years has, has all been worthwhile. So let's give a bit of a shout-out. And after we've had a bit of a shout-out, uh, let's get Dr. Tom on the line and listen to what Tom Matthews has to say, and let's have some fun numbers with him. So don't forget, you can connect with the G-Team Anytime, anywhere on iHeartRadio. As long as you've got access uh, to the internet, I don't care what the device is, you can check us out 24-7, 365 days of the year. And, of course, you can always engage with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash gteamradio, and we'd love it if you liked us. And growing faster than a speeding bullet – is can you grow faster than a speeding bullet? No, you travel faster than a speeding bullet, don't you? Whatever. Um, is our uh, LinkedIn page? Get on over there, like us on LinkedIn. Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole new, uh, it's a whole new arena for us. But you guys seem to like it because it's growing quickly. So like us, hate us, tell us what you think. Give us a call five six one six two three nine four two nine, or you can email Gibbons or Gould at G Team Radio. So hopefully at the other end of the line, we should have Tom Matthews. Tom has over 30 years of financial management and operational experience. He started out as a CPA, or as we lovingly call them on the on the program, uh, a bean counter, but then he, he, the entrepreneurial calling was just there, and he moved over, and he worked for one of the world's largest tour operators, and then he got into the uh, construction industry and property development and land development. I mean, Tom's really, I mean, he's a real financial visionary. He's not a CFO, like I've said, that's why I love him, that's why he makes numbers fun and he makes numbers uh, exciting. So, hopefully, at the other end of yet another piece of string on another tin can should be Dr. Tom Matthews. Are you there, Tom?
2: I'm here. Hello, gentlemen, how are you today?
1: We're, we're really good. We're really good. Welcome aboard and, and, and thanks for, uh, for uh, taking the time out of your busy day. Tom. Gentlemen, you dialed into the
0: wrong show. Matt, did somebody get him on. We got the wrong guy. Who are you calling? <laughs> <company? laughs>
1: He's being polite, Gull. Come on. We don't often get it. Take <laughs> it where we can get lost. it. <laughs> hey, Tom,
2: how, so? how are you?
1: Good, good. So, Tom. Where 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 does the where does the entrepreneur go wrong? Where does the business owner go wrong? What, what, how do they get? Why do they get overwhelmed with all this stuff? With all these spreadsheets? Where's it all going wrong?
2: I, I think it's a couple places, Carl's. First of all, the business owner is busy all day long, and so he does not want to take the time to stop take a break and think about what's going on with his business, working, as you say, Carl, all the time, or Gibbons, working on the business, not in the business. So that's one problem. Another problem is accountants traditionally, which are the bookkeepers, the controllers, and even the CPAs to a degree, their their role in life is kind of looking backwards, telling us what happened, telling us what we did, but they're not really trained or their bus- their job description doesn't even say you need to be more visionary you need to look at a set of financials and say what can we do in the future to make our business better so there's there's a disconnect that it it causes business people troubles
1: so how how can they get around it i mean what do they need to do because because you know we i i I don't have the the, the luck of the of the accounting background that Goldie does. So I'm here with my abacus and my you know counting my fingers and taking my socks off and counting my toes. And I'm hoping that I'm going in the right direction. But ultimately somewhere I've got to go to somebody and I, and I need some help and I need some advice. But I I need some day to day numbers that that can help me out. I need some some day to day stuff. What can I do
2: about that? You do and you. You need to find somebody that, that gets finance, not accounting, Carl's, but but finance. Um, because in finance is where those guys, and I'm trained in that arena also, that those guys, they understand ratios. They understand that one of the measures is, you know, look at your revenue per employee today compared to last year or two years ago. Businesses that are growing, they grow staff faster than they grow sales, and they get bogged down. So we, we need some... We need, all business owners need to have a sit-down with a finance guy to, to work with their accounting department to say, here are the things that I need to look at on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, that are going to tell me I'm headed down the wrong path, I've got some wrong trends. And there are, there are two parts that are needed for that, Carl's. One is the business owner has to be receptive to it. You know, all of us entrepreneurs, we've got a a healthy ego, and sometimes we say, I don't need that information until it's too late. Um, I, you know, if you look at the failure rate of businesses, if you look at the struggles that businesses have have had, and those that have been successful, there are common threads, there are common themes to why somebody's successful and why somebody's not. And, and because I see so many clients, I see those themes all the time. And getting a hand on those metrics because they're, their their finger is really not on the pulse of their business anymore. It's too big. That, that's that's. Uh, hey
0: Tom, this is. Let me let yeah. me jump in for a sec, Tom. Uh-huh. So here, as, as I'm listening to you, I know the difference between finance and accounting. And as, as soon as I as soon as you said that, I'm thinking in my head, oh, good distinction. I'm not so sure everybody else knows the difference. So. I think most people could tell the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant, but why don't you, why don't you walk us through, what, is the, what are the key differences between a person who knows finance and a person who knows accounting? What, what's the difference? A,
2: a person who knows accounting, they know how to put a set of financial statements together. They may know how to do a tax return. Um, they know how to pay bills. They know how to collect money. They know how to create invoices. They're more operationally oriented than they are reporting oriented. A finance person, which is generally not working full-time in a small company because you can't afford it, but a finance person is more concerned about the relationship of the numbers as they tell a story about what's happening in real life. So even a controller, even a controller making $100,000, $150,000 a year, it's a very rare controller that's going to sit down and creates a dashboard for example a one-page report that gives the business owner once a month 14 different little graphs that say here's a snapshot of your com- company and the business owner after looking at that says i know exactly what's going on typically the economy okay, so doesn't finance, do that uh... right go ahead, sure. go ahead you're on a roll
0: go no, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the finance guy. So I'm. I I think what I'm hearing is that the finance guy is a strategist. Uh, The finance guy looks at the numbers and immediately picks out. Holy cow! Your uh, your cost of goods sold are too high uh, compared to your revenues, or your payroll. Your payroll. Just you know, just by looking at it, those numbers jump out, and that finance person says, "I don't like the relationship between the numbers." One number is too high or too low versus another one, and they'll pick that relationship out right away, be able to red flag it, and then not in all cases, but certainly in most cases, we'll be able to suggest a course of action. Is that Am I, am I getting that
2: right? Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a real good um, designation, yes, the, those relationships. And the more sophisticated the business, the more sophisticated those the evaluation of those relationships becomes. Every business owner should look at, should draw, be able to draw conclusions from the numbers that he's given by somebody in his accounting department every single month. That He should be able to say some good things and some bad things. If When I go up and down or go to a party or go to a networking event, I ask a business owner, when was the last time you got a set of financials and you looked at it and you drew a conclusion, you made a decision of what you, how you're going to behave in the future in your business based on that financials. The 99% of the time, the answer is zero and one, and that is just a shame uh, it, because there's no there's so much good information available, and these guys aren't using it. The the one and then they're struggling, and then they don't know why they're struggling. It's so frustrating.
0: So what does so um, now? Most I would bet I would bet the overwhelming majority of the people that are listening to this show right now are non-financial people. So we've right. got a bunch of non-financial executives that are listening to you, and they're hearing the words. I know they're hearing the words, Tom, and they're, and they're saying to themselves, yeah, that actually even sounds good. It makes sense. So what's what can, if, if there's a non-financial executive on the line... What's the first thing they could do to get educated? What's the first number they can start looking at to know there's a problem? What are some of the ratios that they should be creating? Take us through a little 101 finance for the non-financial executive.
2: So cash is king, first of all, Carl's, and the, the relationships of cash. So the... What is, for example, they need to have in their bank account a minimum cash balance every month, and that cash balance at the end of every month needs to be going up, not down. Otherwise, there's a problem in their business. Um, working capital is... So, Tom, let me a, jump again one more time. Yes. So yeah, yeah.
0: What, you did was, what you did was loosely talk about, some people call it the quick ratio or the acid tax or the liquidity ratio. Right, right. Where basically, what you're saying is at the end of the month, you should have more money. Instead of at the end of the money, you have more months,
2: right? There's two numbers that, as as a minimum, Carl, there's two numbers that should be reviewed every month, in my opinion. Number one is the cash balance all by itself. Um, Just a number. So it's not a ratio. It's not anything else. I, I want cash in the bank at the end of every month. And I've seen balance sheets where the cash is actually negative at the end of the month. And it's like, are you kidding? You're writing more checks than you've even got in the bank we got problems here. Right. Okay. So I that's number you. one. And number two is a ratio of, and the asset test is kind of a word, the working capital ratio. It's, it, you take the current assets, which is really cash on accounts receivable and in inventory, and divide it by current liabilities, which primarily is accounts payable and maybe some accrued expenses. So it's a real simple calculation. You can Google it. And any non-financial person that's listening to this can have the answer to that in a second and, and and how to calculate that and tell your accountant I need that at the end of every month in addition to the financials that I get because the working capital ratio that I just described talks about threats, threats to your company. What happens if I lose my major customer and um, my sales are going to go away for a little bit? What happens if my one of my customers that owes me a bunch of money is in default because he's got cash flow troubles and i'm not going to collect it the way that i need to how much of a threat is that that working capital ratio is it defines that threat the bigger the number the less threat there is to your business if something like this that i just described some bad thing happens the smaller the number or god forbid if that number is less than one then you need to fix that you know there needs to be some work done to shore up your balance sheet so that when that threat comes, 2008, we have the ability to weather that threat.
0: Okay, I see. And um, for, just to, for those that might be scratching out these numbers on a piece of paper, when we look at that ratio, uh, that quick ratio or that acid...
2: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. More than once, actually. Do I
1: have to say?
0: Yes, you do.
2: In the car
1: before my kid's PTA meeting. Really?
0: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As We want that number to be greater than one, right? And, and That's um, correct. Greater than
2: one means you've got more good assets, then you have good liabilities. And that's what you want.
0: So as long as it's over one, we end up with more money at the end of the month instead of more month at the end of the money.
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah. That's a good way to put it.
0: So what now, what what are some other ones? I mean, I know, look, I know the ratios are different in every business in every industry, and you have to look at those. I know that, so I know my question is somewhat of an unfair question. Um, At the same time, what's a guidepost or what's a, um, uh, a a ratio that just about any business can use that would be meaningful to them?
2: Here, here's another one that I, I look at, especially for small businesses, Carl's, is debt to equity. Take the total liabilities of the company divided by the total equity of the company. Again, it's right on the balance sheet. And that number, need, what, what that means is... How are you financing your business? Are you are you leaving enough money in the bank and in your company at the end of every year, or are you just siphoning everything off? <clears throat> One of my roles in the wor- world that I'm in is I need to protect the company. I need to make sure that the company is going to survive some bad thing. In addition to let let's do the things that we need to to grow the company, and the business owners don't even understand the balance sheet. They don't know about the balance sheet. A P&L, everybody knows that phrase. Balance sheet, you have people scratching their heads. And so there needs to be a champion of that balance sheet, Carl's. And part of that is looking at some of these ratios, like that debt-to-equity ratio. You don't have to have a debt-to-equity greater than one. I don't care about that. But the ratio should be diminishing over time. And But more importantly, there are industry averages for every industry and company size. So if one of you has a client that is an um, auto dealership that's doing $10 million a year in sales, their industry averages saying, you know, here's the, a debt-to-equity ratio, here's a working capital ratio. I compare that, the my client's ratios, to those industry averages and say, you got some threats here, or you are kicking some butt, or you've got too much cash in the bank, we need to distribute some of that. Whatever the facts are, I don't care, but by comparing some of those ratios and some of those factors of two industry averages, now, now we have something to talk about.
0: Right. Okay. I like that. So um, what are, you know, you, so what are some of the key mistakes that you notice business owners make, you know, or are making, you know, the first time you meet them, they say, hey, Tom, I need to understand my numbers. You start running reports, you clean up the data, you get it in some form of uh, formattable uh, and readable um, uh, version, and the first thing that pops out that they've been wrong is what?
2: Um, probably that they are miss. oftentimes, anyway, they're mispricing their product because they don't understand what gross profit is or what gross profit margin is. It, it, it becomes complicated in many, many industries, especially in the service industry world. I think if you're in manufacturing, I, cost accounting, it's good. I think those guys really have their act together. Service industries, because the profit margins in those industries are a little bit smaller, we tend not to hire additional accounting staff or finance staff, and so we, we miscalculate things. So number one is miscalculating gross profit, which, which hurts because, it, it, for example, if you're losing money on a, on a product, you know, you can't make that up in volume. And no matter how many sell, right, you're just going you know, to lose more money. So, that, so they miss those details because they don't have the tools to do that. Um, next is the business owner underestimates the cash needs. There's no cash flow modeling. There's no cash flow projecting. It's hope and prayer projecting. I hope I got enough money next month to pay my bills. And that is very, very hard, and it's very unnecessary. And if you know today that two months from today you're going to have some cash flow troubles, you can make adjustments today that will help you. But if you know today that you're not going to make payroll next week, it's really hard to recover from that, and then you've got all kinds of messes to deal with so the the whole cash flow forecasting modeling gets really, really tricky for me, and then the third is, and I mentioned it earlier, is hiring staff faster than they're growing you You have two types of staff: production staff and support staff. Support staff needs to be kept lean and mean you know if your If your sales go from five million to ten million, do you really need to double the number in your accounting staff? The answer is no. You need to double your um, facility staff. No, you need to maybe double production staff. Hopefully not, um, but 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 I could make right. an exception or see a rule for that.
0: Well, so that's a good question because we are always getting the question. When's the right time? I'm growing and I bought in. A, I signed a whole bunch of clients and I'm going to service these clients. So I need to bring on a whole bunch of staff, but I haven't been. Right. We haven't sold that project yet. We haven't sold that product yet. So when is the right time or what What do the numbers tell you or guide you to when the right time is?
2: The, it, I, I, would need, I would need more information to ask that, answer that specifically and here's the information. What's the training time in order to get somebody up to speed to do the work that they need to do? Because if I'm anticipating starting, a, starting work in 60 days from now and I need 90 days of training, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and and hire somebody, and we're going to be already behind the eight ball. You know, if I need two days of training, then then it's not as big a deal. The question, here's here's a, a conversation that I have with clients of mine. You know, I say, you know, why did you hire the staff? Well, I need them. That's a bad conversation to have my question to them should be is what happens if you don't hire that person? What happens to your company if you don't hire that person? Because that reduces the number of new hires. That will hold your staff and make you lean and mean just by asking that question. What happens to your company if you don't hire that person? If the answer is I fall apart, well, then you need to hire that person. If the answer is we're going to struggle a little bit until we get everybody trained, then don't hire that person.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Tom, that's, that's really good. I mean, thank you. Those are some really good nuggets, really good um, uh, thoughts. You know, the cash flow is on the mind of our of our listeners and wanted to make sure we brought somebody in that can make some sense of it, and, and you definitely did that, so we really appreciate it. Um, uh, Tom, why don't you tell our, our listeners how they can get in touch with you if they would like to, um, uh, like to have somebody who understands finance the way you do uh, come and uh, have a look at their numbers.
2: Okay. Um, thank you for that. My phone number is area code two three nine seven seven six five two eight six. My email address is Tom Matthews, tommatthews t o m m a t t h e w s at b the number b is in boy the number two b is in boy cfo dot com. And Also, if you send right. me your email address i will I've got a blog that I put out just all the things that we're talking about today, things that I see that business owners need to be doing. It gets really good uh, um, reviews from people, so I'd love to add you to my list
0: oh, well, hey Tom, thanks so much. I really appreciate it and um, you know numbers are often scary for our our listeners they don't that's why they don't focus on it they're intimidated by it they get overwhelmed by it but um, what i'm I'm hearing you say is that if we boil it down to some key ratios, if we pay attention to it just enough, you know, we'll get to know the numbers and the numbers will start giving us insight as to when we should be making some key decisions in the business as opposed to giving ourselves vulnerable.
2: All right. to, to that end, Carl, I've got a really quick personal story. I was called into a new client and I do what's called a discovery analysis, which is review their financials before I start working for them. I asked for cop- It's a $20 million company. I asked for a copy of their financials. They sent me an Excel spreadsheet with 14,000 numbers, 14,000 numbers in that Excel. I asked the owner, what do you do with this? He said, nothing. I, so I, I took it, I drew out maybe 20 numbers out of that 14,000 and he's a, he, he was running retail stores. Find out that three of his stores are losing money. He didn't even know about it. So, and it's a little bit his fault because he needs to tell somebody. I need. I'm not going to do anything with 14,000 numbers. Give me something I can read. And it's a big fault of the, in this case, a CPA firm giving anybody 14,000 numbers. What the hell are you going to do with that? So, yeah, that's my story.
0: All right, good story, Tom. Thanks so much, everybody. Tom Matthews at B2BCFO.com. well, all of a sudden, the numbers are exceeding again. How about that? Who knew? I
1: love um, it. So, Dr. Get, get, Tom, get thanks it. very much.
2: Yep, thanks, Thank gentlemen. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome.
1: See you next time around. Stay with the G2. So, what did you think of that? See, I, 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 I like it, – it, it makes it interesting because I like the way it relates. I mean, the story that he finished on was a great story, you know, uh, but he makes it interesting. And I know there are people sitting out there thinking, yeah, that's me, you know, yeah, that's me um my my accounts guy brings me in this uh, copy of the encyclopedia britannica because he's got every number in the world and i just look at it and at, at best it sits on my desk at worst it just gets put in the trash and it never gets looked at so uh i, I like the way he sort of boiled it all down we just need some real key numbers just to look at like it like it so um how about um <clears throat> we have a quick shout out and then we do a few fixes what do you think Love, it. love the idea. Love the idea. You like, you like, you want to stay with that concept, do you? <laughs> so don't forget, don't forget, you can't if you can't get enough of the G Team, and you know you can't. Come on, tell the truth, you can't really. You can catch this show again together with all our other shows, twenty four seven, three six five. Just visit our website, gteamradio.com, dot com, or via our friends at iHeartRadio. Just go to iHeart, open yourself an account, search for Quit and Get Rich. We will be there and we will make your dreams come true. Um, connect with us on Facebook, share it with your friends, go to facebook.com forward slash G-Team Radio, and we'd love it if you liked us. Five, four,
0: three, two,
1: one. Fix It in Fives Go. Fix It in Fives Go, and today we've got Niles from London, with a bit of a problem we've got bob from north dakota and we've got jennifer from louisiana now i did dispatch a carrier pigeon a few hours ago i'm not sure whether it's got down to uh good old cape down yet in south africa uh, but hopefully you should have got it all down there at cg so i reckon if uh if you look after niles and jennifer and i'll take care of bob does that sound good that sounds good. Hit okay, Niles, go. right. I'm going to hit you with Niles. All right. Niles is in London. He says, G-Team, I really enjoy your Fix It segment. Keep them coming. Thanks, Niles. We, we love it too. I run a professional services firm, and I'm having trouble getting my consultants to do business development. I'm laughing at this as I'm reading it because I just know what you're going to say. While they all say they're doing it, they really aren't. No shit, Sherlock. I constantly find them with their nose down at their desk doing the consulting work instead of building the relationships that will help me grow the film, that will help me grow the firm. How do I get non-sales people to be excited about sales? Mr. Gould, over to you.
0: Well... Here's the good news, Niles, and the better news. The truth is, you're you may never get them excited about sales when they're a non-salesperson, and this is this is almost like the the conversation with Tom about getting exactly. non-financial people excited about finances, yeah, finances. Right, the principles are identical, right. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's you know they they might not ever get excited about it. Um, And let's face it, there's parts of every job that we have to do that we don't like. We have to eat our vegetables. we got to take out the garbage. It's just just part of the deal. Um, So I'm going to stick with the mechanical side of this for a moment. And and the reality is is that you want. That's it. You you pay for the incentive. You pay for the behavior you want. You punish the behavior you don't. Plain and simple. Um, So in this case, you reward them for doing business development work. And if they spend time doing the consulting, they get somehow punished or they not on duties or whatever else. Here you go. So in other words, the business development activities and achievements, not just the achievements, hey, I signed a client, but the activities, we tie those to their compensation. We make their, um, their compensation more performance-based. Also, if it's at all possible – you don't mix consulting with selling. In other words, the consultants are not allowed to do both. They have to pick one or the other. Or they are certainly have to minimize one in order to do the other. So that way they don't get distracted, they don't fall back into the habit or the comfort zone of the work that they love to do, which is the consulting, rather than the work they need to do, which is the business development. Gibbons?
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I, when I was... When I was listening to Tom speaking, I was obviously looking down at well, not but I was looking down at my notes and preparing for the next section. And, and I thought, well, what Tom's talking about is exactly what Niles is suffering with. It's just got a different. It's just got a different. Uh, it's just got a different header. So absolutely, um, you've just got to uh, get them uh, focused on the work that, and find people that love to do the work rather than just start to give people jobs. So uh, I agree. I've nothing more to add. I think you hit that now right on the head. Um, Let's see what we can do for Jennifer. What have you got for me from Jennifer down in Louisiana? All right. So here's the text that's got on her
0: mind. Jennifer in Louisiana. Okay, guys. See, I feel for Jennifer. I think Jennifer's in a tough spot. So work your magic here. Okay, guys. I signed a lease to go into a new office space, and I'm just 60 days away from taking possession. I signed a personal guarantee, very common, and now I'm freaking out um, uh, because I cannot afford the lease. All right? How do I get out of the lease? All right? She just signs a new lease. She's 60 days away. She signs a personal guarantee. She's now freaking out because she had something disrupting her business. She can't afford it, and she's walking. Now, if she's signing a personal guarantee, you know this is more than one year. This is probably three or five year or more lease. She hasn't even started yet, and she needs out. What does she do?
1: Um, I think the I think we've got a classic case here of honesty is the best policy, without any without any question. And, and I wasn't advocating that dishonesty is a good policy either. Before you all rush to your emails, but I think what where I would go with this, uh, Jennifer, is I would go to your landlord. Uh, and have a one-on-one with him if you can uh, hopefully he's local and have an off the record uh, conversation with him um, and explain that whatever your fears are whatever the challenges are you know you just had a, a moment um, you can't m- meet the commitment that you've signed off to what, what whatever your whatever is freaking you out and um, don't put it in writing. Don't email them. Don't send them a letter because that moves it to a whole different level. Um, and, you know, they're, they're people too. They understand. Uh, and we've all dropped a ball somewhere out there. We've all screwed up somewhere out there. And maybe that there is a way out of the lease. Um, but also, uh, don't forget as well, uh, uh, you're a big girl, Jennifer. And you uh, you know for every action there 's a consequence. Um, are they just going to turn around and say um, "Oh well, never mind, Jennifer uh, thanks for coming to tell us don 't worry about it we'll tear up the lease and throw it away and and you know and off you can trip down the uh, the yellow brick road it 's not going to happen there will be consequences. you may have to Stay for six months. You may have to pay a year's rent. I, I, I don't know what that is, but, but don't just expect them to say, oh, well, never mind, Jennifer. There there will be a consequence. Um, um, and I would also think you're going to get a much better response from the landlord if when you do go, you go with a plan, with a suggestion, with a solution. Look, uh, you know, Gould, your landlord. Gould, I screwed up. I'm really sorry. You know, I can sit here all day and tell you give all the reasons why, but I screwed up. Um, But here's what I propose. Um, I'm going to stay for a year. I'm going to stay for six months. I'm going to, whatever. Go with the solution. Don't just go with the problem. Uh, But ultimately, I do have to say, Jennifer, um, if you've signed the lease, you've signed the lease, and you can't get away from that. So you do need good graces, but... Approach it on a one-to-one level, and uh, see where you can go. Um, I, I, uh, I my heart goes out to you, um, Gouldy, You're you're big in the world of property. Have you any uh, any thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, the main thing is the landlord doesn't want to get stuck with an with an open space, and Correct. so if you give them out, like you say to them, look, you, for whatever the reason, I can't stay, and I'm not going to make it right? So, but I'll stay long enough, why don't you start marketing it? If you have to pay to refit the space in any way, let's work out a deal. Um, but get me out of this as soon as possible. And as long as the landlord isn't incurring tremendous, um, administrative legal and construction costs, they'll probably listen to you. But if you, if you, you know, cut and run, and you all of a sudden make an issue with them. You have to understand they're not only running business, but they've got significant costs to bring in a new tenant. So if you if you play it above board, they'll probably work with you, especially in this environment. But if you um, if you try to screw them over or you screw with them, you know they're, they're not any choice but to come back at you. Yeah, so t- t- completely agree. Completely agree. It's so- a tough one. I feel for her because it's a tough one. But, um, you know, she's got to, you know, uh, she's got to stay with it.
1: So, all right. Bob from North Dakota. Yep. Bob from North Dakota. Guys, I hired a marketing agency to help me grow my revenue. All of their literature promised that they would help me grow my business. All I got was a bunch of impressions and visits to my website, but no actual sales. What did I miss here? Oh! Oh! oh.
0: Yeah. oh. <laughs> Bring it on. First sentence told. Yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? But Bob, the first sentence told us that there's a problem. Marketing agencies don't aren't there to help you grow your revenue. Marketing agencies. This is a common misperception, um, and it, and it sounds like a missed expectation. But think about this. Let's break it down. We have one minute to do this, but we're gonna break it down and make it really simple. Marketing is just a series of activities. It gets prospective buyers to inquire about your service that's it in other words they're there to generate leads not they don't marketing it cannot generate sales that's your sales team and this is the misconception you guys all hire marketing firms thinking oh well they're going to help me grow my sales they are not it sounds it actually sounds to me like the marketing agency did their job their job is to get you impressions visits to your website and leads their, their, their job is to get people excited about your product. That's their job. But then it's the salesperson's job to then grab onto that lead, contact them, you know, follow up with them, and turn them into a paying client. So it sounds to me, and this is kind of what I'm wondering in my head, is how prepared you were for those impressions and the leads that came your way. I think that's the issue. So if you're asking me what did you miss, I think you you missed your capture strategy and your strategy because it sounds to me
1: the marketing agency actually did their job yep i agree we have a classic case here of uh you're confusing uh mr bob you're confusing delegation and abdication what you did was you delegated to a marketing agency good move no i have no problem with that but then you abdicated your responsibility for your half. They did their deal. They drove the people to the door. They got the people to knock on the door, but you were unable to either open the door or close the door behind them when they walked through it. Um, So uh, we might have been a bit tough with you there, Bob, but I think that's where it goes. I think Gould hit the nail right on the head. Um, I think it sounds like they lived up to their part. It's that you just weren't ready or prepared or knew how to live up to your part, um, so that's your challenge. You know, when you put any marketing plan together, there's, th- th- there has to be a strategy. You know, it's a bit like you got to be careful what you wish for. You wished for all these inquiries, you wish for all of these people to knock on your door and ring your bell and ask about all your products. Well, now they've done it. What are you going to do with them? That should have been a part of the plan, Bob. That should have been a part of the plan. So there you go. So anyway. Uh, That's it. That concludes today's Fixing Fives. Uh, Niles from London, we hope we got you sorted out. Jennifer in Louisiana, we hope you get rid of your lease. And Bob from North Dakota, remember... Don't confuse um, delegation with abdication. Keep those fixits coming in. We've even given you your own email address. Send it to us. A little paragraph. What your problem is to fixitin in five at gteamradio.com. Uh, we draw them all out just like an hour, an hour and a half before the show, um, and um, we want to we want to help you. And again, uh, please uh, for for past fixits, drop us a line. Let us know whether what we said was. Uh, Was any good? Uh, We're getting right down to the wire here. Uh, I want to finish today uh, with a little quick commentary that said, um, we got a lot of good feedback about last week's show, and we were talking about the nuts and bolts of running a business. This week, we drove into the numbers, and that always came down to, I mean, if Tom mentioned cash once, he mentioned it a hundred times. So often, we get lost in the dreams of grandeur and the vision of the future, and it's good to take a a breath and, and focus on the little things that make our businesses run, remember business is like a game and there are many small moves that gives you the big result if you don't believe me go back and watch the last super bowl you don't win at chess in one move and of course unless you're playing against gold (laughs) you need to make a series of moves you've got to sacrifice some pieces and then you win the game i've enjoyed taking a micro focus on what creates business success today it was a reminder of how i'm enjoy the game of cash and using my creativity to advance my cash position so with that it's uh, checkmate i think and with that Gould, have a safe trip back from south africa uh travel safe my friend big shout out to chad and all the production team behind the glass who twiddle the knobs and make this magic happen thanks again to uh, tom matthews and with that we are out <coughs> in 2006 two forces of good for business met these men think and act differently their sole mission is to help entrepreneurs and businesses succeed today this elite duo carl gibbons and carl gould the g team have broken out of the conventional business box so if you have a problem if no one else can help you can find them right here every wednesday at 1 p.m eastern the g team